hey guys, due to the nature of the case this week, there is some talk intermittently about suicide. So if this is something sensitive to you, just be careful. Um, we talk about it when the one teenager is on a truth or dare case into the cellar. And then we talk about it again when the um, story for the spirit um, changes the way of his death. So if this is a sensitive subject to you, just approach with caution. Everybody and welcome to No Chick Flick Moments. I am your co-host Remy, and I'm your other co-host B. Welcome to our Supernatural Watchcast. Here we are, season one, episode seventeen, Hell House. <laughs> Spooky. Spooky. Yes, we're you know the right time of year to be watching this episode. I mean, I think. I think the whole of season one is the right time of year if, wait, how does time I know what you mean. Right. (laughs) As soon as I said, like, this episode, I was like, bitch, you watched season one. You know October is the right time of year for this. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So, so, uh, Hell House is what we're watching today, right, B? I mean, yeah. And <laughs> because episode 17 follows episode 16, which what? follows episode 15. So I think we're on track. I mean, technically speaking. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. 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 Time to bring the ghost facers in. But they're not the ghost facers yet. They're still hellhoundslayer.com, which I was like... You didn't know what you were doing in season one, were you? <laughs> season one, you don't even know. You don't even know. You don't even know. Yeah, and uh, I honestly forgot that they were in season one. I don't know about you, B. Absolutely forgot. I thought they were like a season three thing because I think I am on that found footage one. Uh-huh. That's not the right term, but where basically we prove that there is a censorship layer that's happening in Supernatural because <laughs> Dean cusses all the time. Yes, yes, we have the big I always boy think words. of that one first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now I knew that the Tulpa episode was first, uh, but I I did not remember this episode pretty much at all. So it was a treat, I will say. And and to see this episode and to know that they just bring Ed and Harry back again and again. Watching this episode, at least, I'm just with you there. I'm here. I'm yeah. here for it. Yeah. I do quite enjoy this episode. I have 
I don't know if I would even say complicated feelings. I have confusing feelings around the tulpa as a concept. <laughs> but there's the symbol B, see? And I mean, that's all it takes, right? <laughs> well, look. Look, let's get into it. Because here with Hell House, season one, episode 17, we have an episode that is written by Trey Calloway, and this is his one and only episode written for Supernatural, so. Okay. He was here to bring hijinks and then leave once the brother pranks were done. Exactly. And it was directed by uh, Chris Lons. I'm sorry. Chris Long, because I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> Who the hell wrote this? That's a G, not an S, but you know. <laughs> That's where we're at tonight. And Do we have a six page synopsis? No, we do not. The original air date was uh, March 30th, 2006. And the synopsis for this episode reads. Sam and Dean investigate a house haunted by the ghost of Mordecai, a man who killed his six daughters during the 1930s. The brothers discover a website dedicated to the Mordecai legend and realize the town is unknowingly conjuring up the evil spirit through the site. A.K.A. Sam and Dean discover the power of the internet. And that line just gets me because I'm like, oh, buddy, you have no idea yet. You have no idea what walls you would break, especially the fourth one. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I always liked, I always liked Ed and Harry as having some cosmic role in things. Like, like you know, we'll, yeah, we'll bring Chuck back as God, but what if the... Yeah, the ghost facers were secret angels all along. I like the idea of them being like unwitting harbingers. Uh huh. Where it's just like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and then we have Ed and Harry there. They're just kind of like we sow discord along the way, but it's not like <laughs> evil discord. It's just stupid discord. And I'm like, I'm here for all things stupid. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I would have been so have been here for it in the season four, season five era. Uh, but by the time that we had, you know, been with the Ghost Facers uh, all the way through season 12, 13, 14, uh, I, I grew to love them as they are. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just taking a moment because I forgot to read a little bit about this episode from the companion novel. You knew I was going to ask me, what does the companion novel have to say about uh, this episode? Because like you said, hijinks abound. Listen to this. Okay. Executive producer, Eric Kripke thinks it's a very interesting idea to have an episode about how urban legends are created and spread and about how they can become real. Not only was it a hilarious episode, Kripke said, but it's really got some brains to it. It ended up becoming a very meta episode. And I'm like, this this helps really inform kind of the direction that they go with the show, if you think about it. I think, for me, it just highlights how by the seat of the pants they're flying here. Yes. 
Yes. Because this is the same season where we've already done Bloody Mary and the Hookman. And they're going to have this episode that is an urban legend that's not even a true urban legend come to life when they've already put a point on such things as Bloody Mary. It's like, what are they going to do next? Like kill a kid with pop rocks and soda at the same time? <laughs> I had to say soda because I couldn't say pop and pop rocks. It would be too confusing. Regional. <laughs> it's Coke. This is also an episode that apparently brings back one of the humor motifs in the music that I absolutely cannot stand, which, you know, in the pilot, there was kind of that guitar, the and I'm like, they bring it back so much that when I started watching the show in season 13, having no context that this was like something from season one, I was like, the fuck is this? <laughs> what the same little like, but supernatural. The guitar, the yeah, yeah, yeah. The didn't, yeah, didn't, and I'm like, oh no, don't do this, <laughs> don't do this. I don't find it funny. <laughs> oh, uh, it's classic. the humorous brothers theme, which is actually right. this guitar line. He explains. And I'm like, Is that no. what they call it? The humorous brother theme? That's what, yeah, Jay Griska is calling it. Okay. I, I do have to say that Trey Calloway, the writer for this episode, since, I mean, I, I just, I have to point it out. This is his only episode written for Supernatural, but he has also contributed to such shows as Mercy Point, CSI New York, and Witch the cartoon series which oh my god oh my god as well as the screenplay for i know what you did last summer well there we go <laughs> i remember that one when growing up and i was like oh i love horror movies and then like all the horror movies are like we're gonna kill the girl with a fish hook and it's like oh shit <laughs> buffy died what would buffy do this episode. This episode, where are we and what are we doing, B? Sorry, you can cut this if you want, but the website portrayed hellhoundslayer.com is a real site that has stories about the haunted house, road ghosts, creepy clowns, and many others that'll be familiar to fans of Supernatural. To be honest, Kripke shares, Hellhounds Lair didn't catch on the way we wanted. Anything that we or the network have officially tried to do hasn't caught on nearly as well as what the fans are doing themselves. The way that it's virally spread and organically spread is better than a corporate entity throwing out what the online presence of the show should be. I've always envisioned an online presence where people discussed and traded urban legends and talked about the legend from that week's show. It never became what I wanted it to become. I'm like, buddy, what do you expect? Like, okay, Kripke. thank you for bringing this legend to our plate, Kripke. We're going to dedicate two hours. Oh, and you know, Remy, no, as I'm saying, no. this is what we fucking do every week. <laughs> Wait, that thing on my face. Oh, God. Okay, look. You're right. That, no, you don't have a, le a leg to stand on here. But Kripke, really? Is that what you envisioned for your show? You really, you, 
he really wanted people to take it and do fucking urban legend uh, creepypastas dedicated to you, but then you spend the next 15 years of your life disparaging your actual fan base. Honestly. Kripke. He's like, where's all my Midwestern blue collar dudes? Like, I'm going to be making comparisons to New Girl this episode because I feel like there are definitely more than one elements that um, overlap. But the way that Nick Miller writes his novel and he is anticipating that it's going to be the Midwestern blue collar uh, Uh salt of the earth reading it. And then it's a bunch of teenage girls who are there for the romance. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, that's the greatest comparison the internet has ever done. Mashing up New Girl with Supernatural. <laughs> because I'm like, yeah, Kripke in a nutshell. Rewatch New Girl, just picture that as Kripke and you get so much insight. Like, again, why I find him a fascinating little bug. I, I, I know for a fact that I have reblogged that gift set before, so I will track it down and then reblog it to yes. NCFM ahead of this. Yes. Thank you. Oh, I'm, oh my lord. I, I, I am so caught up on him standing up uh oh i'm sorry the network standing up hellhounds.com and yes. trying to manufacture this urban legends uh blog site circa 2006 yeah and i'm just like what are you going to have on there that you are not expressing through the show and and, and then kripke being put out on how corporate it is yeah this is blowing my fucking mind (laughs) i mean i truly do love these companion books just because there's so many little nuggets where it's like this batshit side of the system yeah creating this show and i'm like you don't even know do you you don't even know (laughs) oh boy well so that that happened i mean let's just get that out of the way right off the top where we enter in this episode is actually two months prior in richardson texas we have four teenagers with flashlights approaching this spooky abandoned house where peer pressure dictates that they should all go inside <laughs> down to the cellar where apparently there's spooky shit abound. Yes, uh, friend Craig uh, is telling his friends of the... Uh, you know, the myth of the hell house and how you better watch out or the ghost is going to get you. Yes, the spirit of misogyny is alive and well in this house and it kills every woman that enters. And the one girl with him is just like, yeah, I'm going in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. While, while I mean, you know, I enduring too, some probably. sexual harassment on the way. Yeah, well, casual. You know, it's just boys being boys, right? Just teenagers being teenagers. Come on. No, I didn't like that. Mm, no. No. So as they're walking through the main floor, they're seeing a whole bunch of graffiti all over the place. Spooky symbols. 
Right. And Craig is again, he is um, telling his friends that, you know, whatever it is, they say this way, it lives in the cellar. Everyone's poking at him. They? Who's they? Come on. This yeah. is... There's nothing here. Come on. And, and But no, but no. Craig heard it from his cousin who heard it from someone who I'm sure heard it from someone, you know. Yeah. It happened to a friend of a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they say that if you enter the cellar in the dead of night, it'll get you. You're sure to be in for a spooky delight. Hey, I can rhyme. (laughs) And yeah, so we go to the root cellar and it is devoid of jump scares, unfortunately. But as they are wandering around just being kids, um, they kind of all start freezing and they're looking behind their one friend who, when he turns, we have all the flashlights kind of focusing on this very dead girl hanging from a noose by her neck and it's time to scream title card title card present day sam and dean are driving dean is you know got a look out the corner of his eye at his brother dozing in the passenger seat And he figures this is the opportune time to sneak a plastic spoon into Sam's mouth and then snap a photo of it before (laughs) waking him up rudely. (laughs) Cranking up the music and then boasting at his oh-so-clever gotcha moment. Right. And he's singing along and... I was just curious because do you know what song plays on here on the Netflix version? Oh my god, B. I was oh my gosh. So, so the song that actually plays in the actual show mm-hmm. is is Fire of Unknown Origin by by Blue Oyster Cult. And yes. and I know this because the spoon prank has been gift six ways to Monday, and I know this scene, and I'm watching it in Netflix, this episode 17, and there's this weird, almost, like, folky rock music on in the car from the Netflix version, and not not my not my dean i'm just saying look it was no. very well what 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 is playing here i don't know what it was i didn't look it up cuz i was so mad because they literally cut dean's audio from when he was singing along yeah because i, he, I was wondering what they'd do they wait oh so were you were you asking me wait okay back up were you asking me what song they played because you knew what song they play, or were you just asking? I know me? what they played on the DVD, but I was wondering because Netflix always differs. So I was like, "Oh, very curious," because the whole usage of Blue Oyster Cult, the fire of an unknown origin, like the all of that, very fits with Supernatural, and also adds as like foreshadowing to later events in this episode. So I was like, "How are they going to do? Like, did they splurge for this?" one song of course not no 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 it's it's some like i said kind of a folky rock song very indie and uh 
And they do the whole thing where Dean cranks up the music and and sings along, but they cut his audio from him singing along. So it just kind of looks like he's like dupe duping mouthing to the inaudibly. <laughs> yeah, mouthing inaudibly. Um to to this song and i was so mad that i did actually youtube this scene and and the closing scene which is also blue oyster cult and it is not not that in in the netflix so okay yeah no that was like eating at me as we were doing the rewatch and things so I just, I had to know. I couldn't move on without it. This was actually the most egregious because just the fact that Netflix cut Dean's audio or manipulated it to make it seem like it was something that it wasn't before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the Censor Natural edition again. I, I was... very fitting for Ghost Facer episode. I was questioning everything. Like, when when Dean says ass butt, did he say something different? When Dean <laughs> says, when Dean says, okay, Morrison, did he say something different? What's true? What's oh, not? What's real? what's real? Anyways. I have a new did you know. It's Jared Padalecki starred in the movie Cry Wolf, which has a plot that involves the deadly contents of mass electronic messages becoming real. This is so fucking old that they don't say fucking emails. It's electronic (laughs) messages. While some of the movie's advertisements hint at the possibility of Tulpa-style supernatural horror, it is actually more of a psychological thriller. I'm like, the fuck is this doing as trivia? (laughs) So is this before or after this episode? It's gotta be before. If it came out in 05, then they're just like, look at this analogy between Jared's real life and then his character. Anyways, cut that if you want. (laughs) Never, never be. Oh, you get all my voices. Look, Fire of Unknown Origin was the original song. I didn't even look Mm -hmm. up what the replacement song was because I was so betrayed. Kate. Good. No, that answers my question. I was concerned that they would do exactly what you described. (laughs) (laughs) They did. They did. I'll Uh, never trust again. I mean, can you blame them? Oh, boy. Well, Sam is not best pleased that his uh, brother is being childish and pranking. And Dean, don't you know that this is a dark path and you don't want to go down this road? It always escalates. Come on. I'm not starting this with you again, Dean. You're so childish, Dean. Okay, but just know that you asked for it. Boo-boo. It's the pissiest little brother thing that he could do. And I was just like, here for it. I was like, thank you for letting Sam be a little bitch from time to time. (laughs) Yes. Because he's also doing like the whole, we let dad go, which was a mistake, by the way. And now that we have to find him again. I'm like, honestly, this plot's wearing thin Kripke. You couldn't (laughs) think of anything else. And, like, the fucking opener being, like, two brothers on a quest to find their father. I'm like, oh, so we're dropping the dead mom and dead girlfriend for sure now, right? Like, we already kind of felt that in Shadow, that we're going to ignore the fact Jess died. But now you're just doubling down. You're like, they need to find their dad. I'm like, one episode they did! Like, just 
last week. I know, I know. And you're you're exactly right. They're just gonna. What's the motivator here? Because they uh, voluntarily parted ways, and mm-hmm. now they should just be doing what they do with hunting down the next hunt and instead they seem to be still not quite caught up with the actual narrative which is that dad is they're they're really just waiting on word at this point not actively uh, searching for their father yeah it felt like a line that they threw in because they realized that this episode came after that culminating moment. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we have to acknowledge that somehow. <laughs> no, no, no. No, this is yeah. the fun brothers episode. I mean, yes, but also very whiplashy coming off the hop of Shadow right before it. Definitely. So yeah, remember, you started this is the ominous last words that Sam leaves us here um, regarding the prank war that will become the central sort of (laughs) quote-unquote conflict between the brothers this episode. But they're a few hours out from their destination, so Sam gives a rundown about the lore that he found Basically, the sexist ghost in a haunted house, and there was a group of teenagers who found a dead body, but the body was gone as soon as the cops showed up. So it seems suspicious to Dean, but Sam's like, no, like, you should hear these kids. They're really sincere. I'm like, "Mm -hmm, no one's lied on the internet yet. It's 2006. (laughs) Well, Sam says... I don't know. These guys' uh, personal accounts of the events, they it, it seems like they're convinced. And Dean says, what personal accounts? Where you, where have you talked to these people? Oh, talked to? Um, well, actually, I'm thinking more of the discussion board on hellhoundslayer.com. And that immediately Dean starts bristling. He's like, you know, these local sites are run by people who have never even seen a ghost, let alone know anything supernatural. Like, what are you doing (laughs) getting your leads off such a site? (laughs) It's literally the equivalent of uh, going on to Creepypasta and reading about this small town in Massachusetts that had a serial killer clown in the woods. And hey, 2016 was a very real year. (laughs) (laughs) And Sam here saying, well, we're in Texas anyways. We might as well check it out. Yeah, so, okay. I mean, if this is how you want to kill time, let's jump to Richardson. Let's talk to three of the four teenagers and get their stories about (laughs) what happened that night. And, man, teenagers being teenagers. Granted, we do have some 35-year-olds playing these supposedly 15-year-olds. Oh, yeah. But... Yeah, they have they're they're telling their stories and you can tell there's been a bit of uh either 
conflation or uh, exaggerations going on, but no one... Or just plain old unreliable witness. Right. Unreliable witness. Because, yes, the woman had blonde hair. She had red hair. She was totally dead. She was still struggling for her life. She was... Mm -hmm. She was in period clothing. She was in modern clothing. Oh, that poor girl. But she was definitely there. And she was definitely real. And definitely dead or maybe a ghost herself. Who knows? Yeah. And really the only common trait that they have by the end beyond, okay, this really happened, was Craig took us there. He knew (laughs) about this story before we got there. Mm-hmm. So if these three kids can't give us a straight answer, then maybe Craig can, since he seems to be a font of knowledge when it comes to this place. So we <laughs> now stalk Craig at his own place of employment, a record store. In 2006. Well, I, I would, I don't know. There's record stores probably more in 2006 than there are in 2021, B. Well, that's just the way the passage of time works, Remy. Like, I would say there's probably a better (laughs) odds of having a gramophone shop in 2005 than you would have in 2021. Have you have you never likely to be able to buy eight tracks in 2005 than 2021? Have you never been into a Free Peoples? Have you never been into a 2006? was full of HMVs. We were getting rid of Sam Goody. We were like, fuck that guy. He sells us music. Well, we don't want that anymore. We're pirating it off the internet. <laughs> I, I think LimeWire died in 2008, so... I mean, yeah. It was definitely on the tail end. Hello, train. Hello, moon. <laughs> Hello, stars. Hello, dog that wants to claw at the bedroom door, apparently. She can't. She's a guest. (laughs) How is she supposed to guest if she can't reach the microphone? (laughs) Not today, Satan. Not today. (laughs) I mean, I can only speak for my very regional Canadian experience, but HMVs were struggling and they were selling (laughs) CDs. It's vintage, B. Yes. Yes. I'm just like, selling vinyls in 2006, you're ahead of the curve. Vinyls haven't had a resurgence yet. You gotta wait a little longer to be profitable. Well, Dean and Sam posing as journalists for Good Morning Dallas or something along those lines. Yeah. From the big city, you know. We're reporters, don't you know? And Craig's like, I happen to write for my school's literary magazine. And they're like, yes, we are all good at writing. (laughs) (laughs) And and what we're doing is gathering up some local legends, you know, ghost stories. So I heard that you had a good one. Yes, so he gets into it about the Hell House, the backstory that he was aware of. Um, Essentially that the farmer who previously owned it in the 1930s was really suffering during the Depression era. 
He had six daughters and he went off the deep end when he couldn't feed them. He figured it was better to kill them than let them starve. So one by one, he hung them up until they were dead. And then he hung himself after. Yep. And that was old Mordecai Murdoch. Was that his name? Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's haunted the place ever since. He's trapped there, repeating his crimes. And any woman that passes through the cellar will never make it out. Awesome. (laughs) And so now Sam and Dean are like, okay, cool story. Where'd you hear it from? And he name drops his cousin Dana and doesn't really have more knowledge beyond that but he's like i really i didn't believe it until it happened you know it wasn't a prank there really was a dead girl so okay common sort of theme of i didn't believe it but it's real let's take that away then and go check out the house yeah yeah and and one thing that I think it was probably not intended, but I like from kind of a meta standpoint is with all of these conflicting accounts and with this whole thing being based on belief and what a person, uh, what a person thinks about this story being true. Uh, I, I liked the thought of Craig and his three friends having all seen something different in the, in what they did see in, in this, I'll call it an apparition of a, of a hanging woman. Like, like the kids all said, oh, she had brown hair. Oh, she had red hair. No, she was alive. No, she was dead. And, I liked the fact, and I, I know, B, that we learned later on that it wasn't actually, like, mm-hmm. a spirit. <laughs> but I'm I'm with you, though. It like, did put the seed in my mind that what, that every person perceives something different based on what they think about what the story is. Yes. I was really hoping to see the show kind of lean into that more than it did mm-hmm. because we did have um, the the thing that I was paying attention to was just, you know, did the cellar lock change? Did the floor layout change? Just those little things of how different people can interpret things. Mm-hmm. And then the interpretation um, gets brought into real life. I was really curious to see if something like that would happen. And I I feel like it was a sort of gap that could have been filled in the narrative just to help give this sense of the Tulpa being real. Yeah. And the, and the Tulpa or the power of belief being an actual power (laughs) force to be reckoned with. Yes. Yeah. If we had yeah. seen the the house itself change, or if we had seen people's perceptions change and influence what was happening in the moment, I thought that would yeah. would have been interesting. 
Yeah, I'm with you there. I would have liked to seen it, but I can see why they didn't pull it out in the first episode. <laughs> and, you know, maybe it was a little advanced for what they were trying to do in season one of the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sam and Dean have heard enough that, okay, maybe this is one of our things. This seems sufficiently spooky. So let's go investigate this hell house. And mm-hmm. as and as they do uh, approach, they say, "Okay, yeah, this would freak anyone out. Let's go, let's go see what's going on here." Yeah, and they notice outside that there's kind of power lines running across the property, so the local transformer is throwing off any readings they're trying to get with their EMF. But um, once they're inside, they figure, okay, maybe there's some more information we can gather from here. Um, There's a bunch of graffiti, as we saw with the teens, and Sam notices that some of it seems to be quite new, or at least anachronistic to the 1930s, because, you know, the sigil of sulfur wasn't used in San Francisco until the 1960s. So if he was a Satanist, is he a time-traveling Satanist? (laughs) How's he pulling that one off, folks? Well, I thought I thought that this was one part uh Sam showing off his knowledge of the occult and one part highlighting that there were a variety of uh sources for all this graffiti that we were seeing. Uh, yes. Dean makes a joke like, "Oh, old Mordecai was a was a artist in his past life i see looking at all the graffiti around the house and sam started pointing out uh what he knew of some of the symbols actually graffitied on the walls and uh and one he doesn't recognize but dean swears he sees he has seen before is something of a crook a cross like a crooked inverted cross i might say yes i was like an upside down question mark <laughs> <laughs> yeah to be technical please thank you <laughs> but yeah so they're both a little bit stumped as to what they're seeing here because it just it doesn't make sense for one person who was dead before this happened to be, you know, scribbling all of these symbols on the wall. So um, let's take that information away then. And, um, um, and, and, you know, Dean is saying, I don't know, this looks kind of, kind of ordinary. It looks like a, a, an old abandoned house that you've had, some you know teenagers truth or dare going on we have uh, people coming in writing on the walls just trying to make it more than it is but yeah but this this doesn't seem like i don't know maybe the cops were right on this one maybe it was just the kids freaking themselves out to the point where they thought they saw something yeah and I like how Dean kind of goes like, I hate to agree with them, but maybe the cops are right. And I'm like, yes, that's our little anti-establishment bastard. He's my son. And before they are going to write this off, um, they do hear a noise happening on the other side of a door. So they immediately 
clam up. They go and are listening against the wall. And then when they throw the door open, they are met face to face with two gentlemen with cameras out and about. (laughs) These little boy scouts. I was like, these little gremlins. (laughs) Hey, who are you? What are you doing here? Who are you? What are you doing here? I am a professional. Yes. They're paranormal investigators. And we know what you are. And then Sam and Dean are just kind of like, you know us too. Like, you can see the fear (laughs) in their eyes. And then just have Ed be like, amateurs. Looking for ghosts and cheap thrills. Step aside. Let the professionals handle this. I know. Just the way that they are talking. I I have been in this place before. <laughs> like, as as not a man in STEM, in the STEM field, um, you get a lot of times where you'll have a guy try and talk to you and they just make some assumptions about your experience level. And I tend to just like letting them run with it. And that's what Sam does right now is just, oh, you know, okay, you're professionals. Like, have you ever seen a ghost? Yeah, we saw one once and it was so scary. And like EMF, I bet you don't know what that is. And is just, he he can't stand this. He's wandered off. But Sam's just in <laughs> there. No, what is it? (laughs) Look at this. And uh, uh, Harry has an EMF meter that I will say is not as cool as Dean's. It's because it's not homemade. He bought it somewhere. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, Harry's MMF, EMF. Sorry, I was trying to think if MMF is some acronym that I dug from the dregs of somewhere. It's not. Harry. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'll get into the name confusion later. I I, I will. I know. So... (laughs) I I always want to give the wrong one the right name. I know. I know. Anyways... And Harry's own MMF. Fuck me. EMF. <laughs> it's not an MMF. EMF is is going off, uh, but in the same way that Dean, outside of the house, immediately pegged as you know, not genuine and and likely residual uh, uh, interference from the power lines. But Harry, in all of his wisdom, uh, just sees sees it going ding a ding ding, and it's like, oh look, a ghost. Yes, exactly. Oh, it's really hot in here. Look at these readings. It's two point eight. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, two point eight. <laughs> And I just, yeah, I have such a fondness for Sam's just wide-eyed note. I don't understand anything. Tell me more. Because I've been there. Like, I have a computer science degree. And I've had guys been like, do you know how to turn this computer on? I'm just, I'm like, if you're going to ask me that question, I'm going to say no. Tell me. Oh, my God. And then we're going to go through this from the ground level. Oh, really? Oh, that's the power button? Oh, Okay. I swear to God, that is a real conversation I have had. Oh God, I'm I'm not lying. 
Well, well, Ed, Ed and Harry are just thrilled to have someone to hand their cards out to. Yeah, they, right. They probably they, they get to save their professionals. Yeah, yeah. They they probably printed twenty and they have held on to the last eighteen for the next fifteen years. <laughs> One to each parent on like each kid's parent. <laughs> so and yeah, we also find out that not only are they investigators, but they are the owner operators of hellhoundslayer.com. <laughs> Yes, Dean is suitably impressed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they are trying to do a serious scientific investigation here, guys. So if you guys could just, you know, shoo-shoo, shoo-shoo. Yeah, can't have any looky-loos here. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, we'll leave. <laughs> I just really liked the way that... Sam and Dean played this like someone who has gotten really close to their world but is so far off course that they're not like Ed and Harry in this moment trying to flaunt their knowledge however misguided it may be instead they just sit there oh no yeah that's what you think oh yeah really okay cool bye (laughs) yeah they are I don't want to say above this because that seems lofty, but <laughs> they're more informed. Right. And rather than be lofty with it, they just allow Ed and Harry to live in their magical little world and then continue on without popping that bubble. Yep. Yep. And, and you know, it wasn't a ghost. It was just two guys in some... uh and some Boy Scout vests, so I, I shouldn't keep saying that because now, listeners, you're going to be picturing Harry and Ed in Boy Scout vests, but, yeah. It's... With the little, like, Smokey the Bear camper hat and everything. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, basically, yeah. compar- comparatively. I just watched the episode, and I'm like, nope, that's what they look like. <laughs> and I think that and I think that's what they should look like compared to Sam and Dean for all of their... <laughs> shoulder width and yeah they're really going in thinking gear will save them whereas sam and dean are going in thinking experience will save them true yeah so sam and dean are kind of done with this place we cut to the next scene sam is leaving the library and reuniting with dean on the street and bringing together the knowledge that they had split up to try and collect Right, and Sam has been able to dig up that there was a Martin Murdoch who lived in that house around the 1930s. He only had two kids, though, and they were both boys, and he never murdered anyone, so this really just seems like a some sort of urban legend that sprung from nothing. And Dean... I liked this scene where Dean says here, hey, man, you know, we we did our digging, but there's no missing persons. It doesn't seem like this woman that the kids said they saw uh, is or ever was there. And uh, I, I just think that this one's a bust. And I like this little peek into... Sam and Dean's day to day. And I wish that we had gotten more of this through the series on just their stories of, Hey, one time I went to go 
investigate a haunted lighthouse in Maryland. It turned out it was a cat that I, <laughs> that it was just yelling really loud <laughs> right. during the halls. Right, and liked to play with the light switches, you know? Yeah, the acoustics in that place was really great. <laughs> but But you know what? Great fantastic lobster rolls have you ever had a main lobster roll Mm. yeah (laughs) yeah like i see why the show doesn't do it very obviously but i do find a lot of joy in thinking about what how many false leads must be out there that they've followed and you know how much of their time have they quote unquote wasted on these false leads you know, did you drive across country and then get to a place and then the case was a bus? Like, how often did that happen? And you and you have to know that it's nine out of ten times. This is a TV show, you know, yes. that that we're seeing them go on their hunts and, and track down and kill the monster and save the day. But this is where I love to read such things in like fan fiction in what would the real life Sam and Dean Winchester look like? It would be them (laughs) chasing down these two paragraph stories from local newspapers and nine out of 10 times. It's just, it's just normal, weird or explainable things that uh that aren't their kind of thing but yeah that's the kind of thing that i just like to definitely like to think about yeah as you're saying that it's making me think of like how many times have they had to go visit a morgue or whatever thinking you know from the description the body died the body the person (laughs) died in a mysterious way and then they go look at the body and they're like, oh, no, we're just looking at a dead person right now. <laughs> like, just yeah. the life that you have to lead where it's like, no, we're going to lie our way into this. And then it's probably going to be a bust. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, we got a little taste of it uh, from earlier in the in this season with the... Unfortunately, I can't seem to remember the episode, but it involved a morgue and there was a man who his brain liquefied. That was the Bloody Mary one, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yeah, because mm-hmm. his eyes started bleeding and he, yes, of course. So the Bloody Mary episode uh, and they... And they have this conversation, like, how many times is a weird death just a weird death? Yes. That's exactly the thing that I was thinking of Mm -hmm. as we're chatting here, is just how many times have they gone in there and genuinely know, like, that? that's just a dead person that I'm looking at. (laughs) This is just a dead person who died an average death. And now I'm standing in a room with a corpse, and this is my job. (laughs) Right, right. Well, here's Dean outside the library with Sam saying, no missing girl, no murderous uh, 1930s farmer. Uh, Let's, you know, we we did our dues. Let's go get a drink. Call it a day. Yes. 
Let's find a local watering hole instead of a local legend. (laughs) And this is where I'm like, another new girl comparison comes into place because it's time for Sam's first prank. And apparently his prank is to stand outside the car, wait for Dean to climb inside, and when he turns on the radio, it's tuned to really loud salsa music. <laughs> yes. I'm like, this This is Winston in a nutshell. <laughs> okay? Winston from New Girl, he either does pranks that are way too small or way too big. <laughs> and so his first prank here is like, teehee, I'm going to make him listen to salsa music. And then his next prank is like, I'm going to make him remove a layer of skin from his hand. (laughs) Hey, hey, Dean escalated to physical first. I'm just saying that Sam's scale of like what is pranky (laughs) is so misaligned (laughs) that the prank wars that they had when they were younger, I'm honestly afraid. Because if Dean escalated to Nair in the shampoo, what the fuck did Sam do? He's like, I'm going to get you sacrificed. <laughs> like, <laughs> a la Winston left Dean stranded naked in the desert, probably. I mean, probably. Their dad was away for more than a week. They are two teenage boys with <laughs> nothing but time. They're like, why not let it escalate to this level? (laughs) But yeah, just this being the prank of like, I'm going to make you listen to salsa music. I'm just like, and he's so proud of it. I was 100% on Dean's side where like, this is weak. This is Bush League. This isn't even a prank. You just fucked with my radio. Yeah, but Dean is goading him along, obviously. Yeah. Oh, oh, that? You call that a prank? Okay. Yeah. Okay, Chuckles. I'm like, because he's correct. And so (laughs) Sam's just like, time to resort to violence. (laughs) Dean did it first. Itching powder is a step too far. Itching powder is not violence. Yes, it fucking is. It is not. Wash your damn clothes. You have a little brother. You can't fucking do this to me. No, I'm telling you right now. (laughs) If it happened to me, yes, it's way too far. How dare you? You escalated this beyond any level. Do you not care for me? Are we not family? Oh, so you just want me dead. Okay? That's me getting itching powder on my clothes. In your underwear. Someone else that... Underwear. Sorry. Mm. Again, I will die and I will take you down with me. (laughs) But if it's someone I don't know who's going to get, I'm like, no, it's fine. Who cares? (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Well, that's later. So we'll get there. Yes. Yeah. We have to get there. Sam counts this one as a prank. Dean calls it weak. It's just establishing that this is not over yet. So... It's time to return to the Hell House. It is nighttime, and we have three new teenagers approaching the house on a truth or dare quest. The one girl, Jill, has to go inside on the dare and grab something out of the cellar. One of these old can jars. Yes, you picked dare, so do this or face the penalty, which is making out with the dude that she's with 
And I'm like, you really shouldn't be able to make that be a penalty. Mm. But 2005, men are writing this. We're going to see what happens. Jill goes inside. She hears some metal scraping against metal. And when she calls hello, no one answers. So she just continues on her way. She finds the locked cellar door, makes her way downstairs and completes the dare. But then a tall figure follows her through the shadows and she gets spooked, drops the jar, backed into a corner. And then that really tall, freaky looking man um, slips a noose over her neck and hangs her until she is dead. Yeah, we see this figure uh, shadowing her. Even there's a point where we see it pretty clearly in a mirror that she's passing and it's holding the length of rope that he ultimately hangs her with. But yeah, he the ghost is very real and the whatever this is, it escalated real quick yeah i just want to say that this actor is very well cast as mordecai he's the same actor that played the reaper in faith mm-hmm. so they're like you just got an ominous look about you <laughs> i'm gonna make you a monster a couple of times and then he gets to come back in later seasons as like a cop or a nazi but the first season they're like we want you to be a creature and he does a really good job, A+. plus. Yep, yep, yep. That's funny. I cannot wait in later seasons if he does come back. I want to see him without the makeup. Because, you know, with the Reaper and with this Mordecai ghost, he is uh, very, very makeuped up uh, as, yes. as ghastly. Yeah, you wouldn't recognize him on the street in this. Mm-hmm. But it's now the next day and the cops and coroner are out at the hell house and Sam and Dean are told that, you know, it was a suicide, but it doesn't make sense. This girl had so much to live for. She had this full ride scholarship, blah, blah, blah. And so Sam and Dean have to confer with each other and they agree that they must have missed something because if someone's dead in this house and like legit dead this time then clearly something is going on here. I I actually found this very interesting because here we have the cops saying, oh yeah, she, she hung herself. And in the very next scene, we have the, the town or the precinct has put on a surveillance watch on this uh property and Mm -hmm. and sam and dean are like oh they must want to keep the kids away but it seems like for as much as uh the the cops here are like uh yeah nothing to see here you know she she hung herself oh yes i know that her friends are saying that a ghost killed her but yeah, that doesn't make sense. So the official word is that it was a suicide. But then we're going to put on a 24-7 security detail on the house and and, and, and continue to investigate whatever is going on here. It um, 
like like if you are just trying to keep the kids away then what are you afraid is going to happen are we going to like have some sort of like a suicide cult murder spree going on here or i don't know i don't know just because of what i've seen for some small towns there's this fear that it somehow is an idea that can spread through the group and so if the cops have heard that this is potentially the second girl who has died in this location they really don't want that idea spreading as like you know this is what is catching on and this is something that could happen again they really want to avoid it so that that was my kind of take on it was just like if this is this is something that the cops are treating like it's contagious which is interesting because you know the whole episode is this is an idea that spread and has be- mm-hmm. become uh real and uh, real enough to have real consequences yes yeah so i feel like that is what's really fitting in here because i'm with you it doesn't make sense if the cops are like nothing to see here but we're gonna stay here Mm -hmm. but that i think like how you said that's exactly what i feel we're meant to pull from it is this idea that this idea could catch on and they want to avoid that happening Mm. more people may want to show up here and if they are in a similar state as what we just heard you know they're going and playing truth or dare and yet this is the outcome um we don't want that to happen again right especially since it seems it's an idea of the this this place is haunted and and bad things happen here they would want to prevent more bad things happening here yeah yeah i can see them just thinking of as this being like a magnet for a bad scene yeah and mm-hmm. so let's let's put up a barrier mhm mhm okay all right i'll, yeah, I'll just, buy it just thinking about it <laughs> Um, so Sam and Dean do return that night, but it's still crawling with cops, as you said. And not only that, but Harry and Ed are back. And Dean figures, hey, there's two birds here. <laughs> we we can hit them with one stone. And he kind of throws his voice towards where Ed and Harry are. It draws the cops' attention, and then they start chasing after those two leaving Sam and Dean with their opening to hustle inside the house. Again, just highlighting the experience gap between Sam Mm -hmm. and Dean and Ed and Harry, because Ed and Harry are not being sneaky. They're out in the open where Sam and Dean are, uh, do have some cover in the underbrush. A cop literally walks five feet away from them and misses them in the cover Mm -hmm. of the the tree line and uh ed and harry are not being stealthy and so when dean well they're just gonna wander up and give a business card right yeah and they're gonna be able to go straight inside look we're professionals (laughs) just let let us have a look but but you know when when Dean does call attention to the spot where really both groups are hiding, it, it, it's it's Ed and Harry that are immediately 
spotted and caught out and they make a run for it. Yeah, they immediately start booking her on foot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Opening up uh, the house itself to uh, Sam and Dean, and they can sneak in undetected. Undetected. Mm-hmm. Yes. So inside the living room, Sam is unpacking his duffel bag, grabbing weapons and flashlights and the like. And Dean still is snagged on that symbol, that upside down hook with the fan. We tried describing this. This is an <laughs> audio medium. It's not happening. Um, he snags on it, but they still keep on their way to the cellar. And then when they're in the basement, Dean is eyeing up the jars on the wall and dares Sam to take a swig out of one of them. Why would I... Why would I do that? I, I double dare you. <laughs> double dare you. Oh, well, in that case. I mean, if you've escalated it to that level. <laughs> but no, Sam is not taking the bait. He is continuing to explore the cellar. And uh, as Sam and Dean are taking their look around, they... Wait, is this where they have the mice, the rats? Yes. Okay. Are looking around the cellar. Uh, they hear a noise. And what's that? There's a cupboard in the cellar. And there's some scratching and rustling coming from inside. And one, two, three, go! Sam tosses open the door. And a bunch of mice. I refuse to think of them as rats. A bunch of <laughs> mice run out. Ew, says Dean. Just ew. Ew. Not here for this. <laughs> would you rather it have been a ghost? Yes, I would, Sam. Thanks for asking. Ghosts <laughs> better than rats any day. It's like, well, since you asked for it, right behind them appears the spirit and um, it's raising an axe. It's going to make a chopping motion at them. Um, they are firing their rock salt shotgun rounds off at it, but it doesn't dissipate the spirit. Um, they have to put up a fight and then they are losing. It's very clear that they have to you know, withdraw from this fight. Right, right. They will retreat uh, up the cellar stairs. Sam says, what the hell kind of spirit is immune to rock salt? I don't know, but we gotta go. So they get back up to the kitchen and they are still fighting with the spirit and we cut outside. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ed and Harry have given the cops the slip and now they are pep talking themselves up <laughs> to re-enter the house. And by the time they get to the front door, it is crashing open with Sam and Dean being thrown through it. And then the spirit is pursuing. Um, Ed and Harry are allegedly recording and um, they're freaked out. And the cops hear all of this commotion and catch just Ed and Harry. <laughs> Not Sam and Dean. <laughs> yeah. Sam and Dean are confabbing at Wyeth's uh, Western Inn. 
Yes. It's time to retire to the motel, where Dean just keeps redrawing that symbol he's obsessed with from the wall. And Sam is doing more research online, and he's just really perplexed because the legend says that Mordecai attacks women and that there was an axe there, there were slits on his wrist. Like, none of these things are what we saw on the original story um, that was told to them by Craig. Right. If Mordecai supposedly hung himself, then, uh, and he hangs his victims, then what's all of this? This is totally not in line with how this ghost should be acting because ghosts are pretty static, right? They have an MO. They do what they did they're living a loop basically or they're stuck in their cycles and um or they should be because again we don't need to go down this track here but i'm like this is why i was so thrown by the way mary's ghost appeared in episode nine and the way that well not to to a lesser extent bobby um what happens on that storyline but just the idea that ghosts are caught in loops, they are recurring mm-hmm. events, and that they're very set in their ways. I really like that lore. Mm-hmm. And I like how this episode is intentionally flipping those expectations versus some other episodes where they're like, no, we're just going to break that rule for no fucking reason. Right, right. Like, don't even get me started in the ghost town of the first few episodes of season 15. Oh my god. I mean, you you could say, okay, we broke hell. Things are different. <laughs> but, like, the fact that the ghost hold a town meeting, yeah, the fuck. Yeah, they, with a few notable exceptions uh, that come later, uh, aside from Mary. Uh, yeah. This, this is If how... you're going to make your rules, break them with logic, I guess. <laughs> Well, this is how ghosts behave. This is how the boys understand ghosts behave. And this spirit, if it is a spirit, is not following the rules. So what's going on? Guess what? There has been a new post to the Hellhounds site that is an addendum to the Mordecai story. And it's uh, not that he hung his daughters and then hung himself. It is that he was actually an axe murderer all along and just went crazy. And yeah, and a satanic axe murderer, by the way. Oh, true. Exactly. A <laughs> Satanist that sacrificed his daughters and then himself. Yeah. So, Okay. This wasn't quite what we understood the original story to be, but this new one already has over a thousand views on the website. So it's spreading like wildfire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is so 2012. <laughs> and while that sort of puzzle is working its way through Sam, um, Dean clues into the symbol that he's been puzzling over, and he gets up excitedly and sort of takes them on that lead. 
Yeah, Sam says, where where is this going? Because we have this story of Mordecai that started as one thing and is just transforming into something completely different. And Dean says, well, I don't know, but I think I think I just figured out where it started. Yes. So it's time for them to return to the vintage vinyl shop that Craig works at. Um, they're not given a warm welcome when Craig sees them. He's like, sorry guys, but I have to work and I don't want to talk to you, is the implied end of the sentence. But Dean is playing a coy. He's just, oh no, I'm here to buy a record, actually. And, um... Where their initial visit, he pulls up the record for Kansas. Um, This time he's pulling up one for Blue Oyster Cult and being like, hey, do you know these guys? Because this symbol, and he's pointing to the crazy crook, question mark, windmill, (laughs) indescribable on an audio format, um, symbol on the back of the album's cover right i knew i saw it somewhere and that is album art from the blue oyster cult and dean i do have to question is this really the leap to make because you recognize the symbol as album art from a blue oyster cult album and then you say oh aha jinkies i've solved it it was Craig <laughs> all along, and he, because this one symbol on the wall was from a Blue Oyster Cult album, that means that Craig, cashier at a record store, must have been the one behind it all along. It's because of the fresh paint. That doesn't make and any sense. No, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it so no. much. Remy, sit with me. I'm going to walk you through the logic. Okay, tell me. <laughs> it's because all the different symbols are in the same black paint, and the black paint is fresh, and the symbols are anachronistic. Like, it'd be one thing if, like, okay, we see an old band logo, and we see this, we see that, and they're all in different paints, and they're in different hands, but it's, like, all the same sort of signature essentially to it so if all of this stuff is freshly painted and all of the shenanigans around this place is also freshly introduced um can we maybe spook the truth out of craig what is actually the without lying out of your ass this time tell us what you actually know about the hell house i don't get it because the thing with Craig and the sighting of the dead girl hanging from the rafters and we saw them going into the house and all the symbols were there and Craig tells us shortly that it was all just a setup for a prank to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, that all happened. Huh? I'm sorry. I just connected that with the prank wars. <laughs> I'm fine. 
<laughs> Carry on. That that happened two months ago. So I hated when Dean and Sam first visited the uh, the 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 Mordecai house, uh, where Sam touches the symbol that was the uh, upside down crook windmill yes. cross thingy, and he's like, "Oh, it's fresh." I didn't understand yes. it. It didn't make sense. I mean. I'm leaning into the microphone. Remy, I totally agree with you. It doesn't make sense. Not from a two-month standpoint. But they are expecting us to hand wave. They are doing... It's it's a plot hole, however you want to describe it. But it's in service of the story. We are moving the story along by yes. Dean being the fucking mentalist for the second episode in a row. <laughs> to say... Oh, I understand. It was Craig all along because of an a symbol from an album art. Yeah, yeah. No, I I get it. I totally get where your frustration with this comes from because it is a very tenuous thread to pull. And it's just to their advantage that it happens to unwind a bit of truth from Craig <laughs> from it. Like, they're not like, Craig, you murderer, how could you? It's just, hey, Craig, we saw this symbol. It feels like you're lying to us. Now fess the fuck up before we break some teeth. <laughs> yeah, just your, you know, friendly Clark Kent type journalist from yeah. the Daily Dallas. Yeah. Did Greg paint those? Was he trying to scare people? Like, what the fuck? Tell the truth this time, Craig. And so Craig admits that he and his cousin made up the abandoned house to look like it was haunted. And then they also made up a story that began to spread thanks to the hellhoundslayer.com website featuring the story. And then it just seemed to get out of control from there. Yeah, yeah. It started as a prank. It was just a made-up story that was just supposed to be a joke. And now a girl is dead. And it, it, it seems like it's all because of this rumor that he started and the, the Hellhounds lair site spread. Yeah. And I like the line that he says here where it's he's saying that the story took on a life of its mm. own. Because, again, that's leading into what we are doing with the Monster of the Week this week. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's just very confusing for Sam and Dean, too. Because they're sitting here, okay, if it was just a rumor you spread, then how the fuck is somebody dead? How the fuck is there a spirit there? And how is it immune to rock salt? Like... None of this is making sense. Oh my god. Dean So this this guy, they've they've backed him into a corner. He has admitted to pulling what is, you know, on the whole, a harmless prank. And yeah. And he starts crying because he's just devastated that all of this you know, trouble and d delusion has come from it. And mm -hmm. and Dean says, All right. And he walks away. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I ain't dealing with this. <laughs> Fucking good interpersonal skills there. Bye. They got what they needed. They're out. <laughs> 
he had the confrontation in a public location and that is meant to keep things from escalating it didn't work so okay time to flee (laughs) yeah yeah can't draw too much attention we're back at the motel yes Sam is showering and Dean is committing a hate crime, according to Remy. Fuck it. He did it first. Dean (laughs) escalated to physical pranks first. So who's who's really who's really at fault here? I really don't think of this as a physical prank. You're wrong. You're wrong. Itching powder is so different than I'm going to super glue your hand to glass. It's not. Do you know what itching... B, we can't be friends on this. Remy, I feel like you are putting a lot of shame on me (laughs) for not knowing anything about the level of physical discomfort associated with itching powder. I don't know. I don't know how bad it is. I don't like imagining my coochie being on fire. And I just, I don't have context for it. So, like, we have to still be friends. I hate to break it to you. A- just because I don't have context for itching powder. It's a violation of the worst tear. What Does it, like, not go away from showering? I don't know. I don't, I've never been itching powdered. Listen to you! I've itching powdered my brother's boxers, but that's, you know, I felt bad about and it after. He, did he die? <laughs> Look, this is just guilt coming out. Okay, okay, I see. So you're projecting onto me, and then you're pushing me away for crimes you've committed. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Okay, no, thank you. I just, I needed to understand (laughs) how we were going to draw pistols at dawn There are some lines that should not be crossed, B. Okay, well, I will let you know 100% I don't like pulling pranks. I don't like doing that to people. I don't like pranks where there's a victim. Mm. I, I like harmless pranks where, like, I saw a video the other day of, like, a bunch of people pretending to trip over something invisible. And then this older man who was seeing all of that happen, just being so puzzled and trying to see what everyone was hitting. Like, that's the type of prank that I like because nobody is harmed in the making of this joy. Nope, I don't do, I don't do pranks. Yeah, so we're safe. Remy, you're safe. I promise you, <laughs> I do not play pranks. I will not play a prank on you. Ever. Look, but it's fun in the context of this episode. Let's just go with it. I mean, except it's a hate crime, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Sam is in the shower and Dean is dumping itching powder into Sam's clothes. And half listening to Sam's theory about a tulpa being behind this case. Right, right. What if it's a tulpa? Oh, a tulpa, huh? Me. Oh, a topo? What's a, what's a, what, a, what, a, what, a what now? Come on, guys. come on, boys. Inform me. I know, right? It's pop teen epic when she's nodding. She's like, mm-hmm, yes, I understand. And then the bubble is like, understands nothing. <laughs> well. And it's also time for Sam's shirtless scene. Because we got Dean's um in Route 666. 
And if the network really wants, I don't know what they want, but if they want him to be shirtless, here he is. Not not as glorious as the shirtless scene in season four, but... Or season six where he's fucking insane and doesn't have a oh, soul. Yeah. yeah, true. So fucking good. <laughs> not the shirtless bit, the soulless bit. I am not here for Jared's body. <laughs> but, um, hey, Dean... I just thought of the finale. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why? Why? Oh, God. Because I was, like, having a cursed flashback of all the times where they're like, be shirtless. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, D- Dean-, Dean sees Sam's cut self and says, you know what? We need some fucking Chinese food. <laughs> we need to eat. Let's get out of here. So it is off to the diner, and Sam is struggling. <laughs> oh, wait, the Chinese food comes later. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. This is like a Texas barbecue kind of place. Yeah, they don't really eat anything. They get some empty coffee cups to pretend to sit from. <laughs> and it's time to hear the story about... 20 or so monks who visualized a golem and then made it appear with their minds. And we are meant to draw a leap from that to the idea of 10,000 website viewers all focused on the same thing. What kind of power would there be with those minds involved? I'm like, quantity is not the same as quality. (laughs) But, but quality maybe a non-factor here because Dean says, okay, so you're saying that this thing exists because people believe in it. Well, a ton of people believe in Santa Claus, but you don't see me getting hooked up every Christmas. And then Sam just being like, that's because you're a bad person without batting an eyelash. I was like, very peak bitchy brother. Again, yes. I love it. Yes, yes. The the bitchy brotherness is strong in both parties. And I, I love it. Actually, yes. the bitchy brother is strong in Sam. And the unrepentant uh, eat shit brother is strong in Dean. And I love yeah. it either way. Dean is the, I'm an asshole, so what? Yep. Well, okay. But just because people believe in Santa Claus, he's not real. Well, Santa Claus doesn't have an ancient Tibetan spirit sigil that concentrates the collective meditative thoughts of the populace who are all thinking on this one myth at this one time. I'm like, but how easy would it be, assuming the symbol is all that's needed? Oh yeah, we can't go down that road because we can't we can't have Sam or Dean saying. So you're saying that anything that we want to be true could be true if we get enough people to believe in it. We now have the fucking cheat code to unlock the the secrets of the universe. And we're just going to forget that this is the thing that happens. Except for the one episode where we need to bring in the Slenderman for some fucking reason. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this episode is, like, the one where the boys look into a black hole. (laughs) And you're just like, 
oh my god, the implications of this is so extreme. Do you realize how much you're fucking with physics, time, space, everything? And then they're just like, you can hear the void growing and just the silence of the absence of everything building until it's just this drone in your head and your <laughs> eyes are turning black and nothing's fucking real anymore. And then all of a sudden you just hear... And then you're like, oh yeah, what were we talking about? And then we fucking forget that this is something that was going on. We never use the idea of the tulpa again. We never revisit this. We never get more detail than Sam's one story about these 20 monks this one time. Like, I tried doing a little research about tulpas. And as far as I can tell, it comes from this one religion. And I use that term loosely called theosophy which was just basically like what if we steal from all the other religions and then make our own religion and like let's make it all about the truth and i'm just like everything's so bad shit like it's, it's too layers powerful layers of cultural appropriation it's too powerful b yes you can't you can't play with fire in this way. And even No, but you literally can. That's the only way to solve it. You have to pull a Jason Mendoza and you're like, if your problem is too big, just make a Molotov cocktail and then you have a whole new problem. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Look, so so I, I also love how previous in the scene previous to this one here we have sam saying calling out from his shower hey what if it's a tulpa oh a tulpa hey what if it's a tulpa i know what a tulpa is and then they're like this is this a thing that has come up before i mean did he research did he know about it from school did he take a religion class there's so many questions around this. And yeah, what's the mechanic? Because if it literally is simple plus, plus belief, how have we not had more fucking around? I know. Like, because again, the website's not saying 10,000 viewers. It's saying 1,000 viewers. Like, it's very small numbers. And so that's where I go back to quality or quantity. Mm -hmm. Because... It sounds from the quote-unquote Tibetan monk story that it's quality, and then it sounds for this theory, it's just quantity. That's... it. There's so many questions around this, and I agree <laughs> with you. It's just too overpowered. It's too universe-breaking that they're like, we can't look at this in the eye. It will kill us. <laughs> I mean, I mean, poor... Poor Calloway wrote this episode and then he was fucking excommunicated for it. I mean, they realized he opened a little black hole in their universe <laughs> and they're like, well, fuck, now we gotta move. We gotta move away from this area as fast as we fucking can. <laughs> apparently, apparently doing that either gets you having only written one Supernatural episode or being the deadly duo of the entire 15 seasons. Yeah, one or the other. There's no in between. Yeah, really. You are a one-hit wonder or you live long enough to write some real stinkers. <laughs> Look, we have 
Atulpa. And Dean says, okay, so let's just get rid of the symbol. And then uh, it won't have the power of belief feeding it anymore. But no, wait. Once Atulpa has been realized, it, it, it can take on a life of its own. Yeah, it's a real thing, baby. Yeah, so how the hell are we supposed to kill an idea? Yeah, and not only that, but an idea that is still being fed by this website. You know, everyone is having the same quote-unquote meditative thoughts as they're looking at these stories. Um, It's only going to power him, and he's only going to evolve as the legend does. So if the legend is something that can be modified, then maybe they can do that to their advantage. Right. And and, and now that we have some real life event with the death of this girl uh, that is feeding the, the, the story, it, and it's not some just nebulous, this guy in, in the 1930s killed his family. And and now his ghost haunts his old homestead. Uh, the story has gained so much traction that it's uh, it's becoming just more powerful by the day, says Sam. Yeah. So they need hellhoundslayer.com to either stop hosting this story you know, take it out of the public eye or they need to wield it to their advantage. Mm-hmm. So either way, we need some Ed and Harry in our lives. Yes. And as they are leaving, Sam realizes that the allergy to the inn's soap is not what's responsible for his dire itching situation. It's his brother and he yells after him like, you're a jerk (laughs) this whole dining place. And Dean's just like, come on, we gotta go to a copy shop. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Time for some paper crafts. Mm Mm-hmm. And Ed and Harry, we find out, are staying in a motorhome trailer situation. Motorhome trailer park, I should say. Um, and they are debating returning to the Hell House. Um, Ed is being the pep talker again to try and get Harry on board. And it's their ticket to the big times, you know? And what would Buffy do? And all that jazz. (laughs) You are a ghost hunter. You are strong. You are beautiful. (laughs) And you are perfect just the way you are. This is our ticket to the big time. You could have sex. With girls. With girls. (laughs) That pause. That pause. I know. (laughs) There's... There's so much around these two characters that is just shenanigans and tomfoolery. <laughs> and and with man, Ed and Harry, I feel like I have spent the entirety of my involvement with Supernatural as uh, a series willfully ignorant of who is Ed and who is Harry. Yep. Yep. 
And I always put them opposite. I do. I Whoops. do too. <laughs> the, the, it looks like an. The other guy looks like an Ed, and the other guy looks like a Harry. Correct. Okay, it's correct. just correct. Correct. Thank you, Remy. One hundred percent. And because I I wrote it down to match, and then even psychologically, I'm like, no, we need to flip it. That's wrong. <laughs> it's just how it is. They're a couplet. It's Ed and Harry, okay? They are one entity. There's two people involved, but it's one thing. So I think that this is the one episode that we hear their names more than any other episode, and I am still, it's just out. It's gone. Gone. Yeah. Didn't, never existed. That can't be right. I don't know. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> But Ed, she's stronger than me. I don't know if I can do it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we're trying to make these really nerdy, geeky guys to compare to Sam and Dean, and uh-huh. part of me is just like delighted at how their characters evolve. And by their characters, I mean Sam and Dean <laughs> over the years. <laughs> Did you see the boobies, be? I did not see the boobies. Oh my there was God. boobies. There's boobies. There's boobies oh, on the screen. Uh, yes. 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 Well, I guess I have to rewatch. <laughs> like I, I, I'm serious. Not safe for TV boobies. They snuck them in there. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. I will have to rewatch then. On just for the titty, <laughs> just for the <laughs> on the trailer wall. There is a poster. Just keep Kay. keep an eye out. Okay, thank you. It's actually pretty noticeable. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how. I can only imagine that they must have blurred it out for for cable, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's blurred on the DVD. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> they had well, to look. censor us if they censored Dean singing. <laughs> <sighs> I'll never, I'll never forget. I'll never yeah, trust no. again. Anyways, no. there is a loud knock on the trailer door. It rattles the entire cabin of the trailer. And, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and it's those guys. Oh, these guys again? Seriously? <laughs> and it's Sam and Dean really putting on their acting chops. <laughs> Oh my god. Hey, guys, look. We need you to take down your site. Look at the damage that you're doing. Look at look at all of the attention that this story in this house are getting and you know that there's something dangerous there. So, is it really it's the the only the right thing to do, the responsible thing to do would be to take down this site, this story. Yeah. Yeah. Stop luring people to see Mordecai. Just erase the story altogether. Hey, hey, Ed, maybe he's right. No. Look, this is my ticket to fame and fortune. And why should we trust you guys? You guys have been nothing but trouble from for us from the beginning. So, uh, you know what? I don't think that I want to listen to you. So it's Sam's time to kind of dangle a bit of lore about Mordecai in front of Ed and Harry and they sure bite onto that lore. 
come on, Dean. I knew these guys wouldn't listen to us. They don't even want to hear about what we have to say. Yeah, all that research that we found, and it's ours, and we did it all by ourselves, and we <laughs> found it. <laughs> okay, 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 fine, fine. Look, we found a death certificate from the 1930s, and turns out that Mordecai didn't die from hanging or from axe wounds. He died from... A self-inflicted gun wound uh, from a forty-five, And rumor has it that... So a handgun. And rumor has it that if... Uh, that to this day he's terrified of handguns. And if you shoot him with a special wrought iron bullet, it'll kill him dead. So, since they got the promise from N. Harry that they'll take the site down in exchange for this information, um, Ed and Harry are just kind of like, okay, mm-hmm, yeah, no, wow, this is great. And then, like, do the best power walk <laughs> across this park back to the trailer, essentially being like, are we really going to take the site down? Fuck no! <laughs> like, <laughs> Loud enough that Sam and Dean can overhear, and they're all just like, mm, exactly according to plan. Exactly. Oh, also, I do have to say for the scene, Dean's hair is so spiky and luscious. This scene in this trailer park scene, which I can only imagine came from Sam's hair being so cute and floppy that the hairdressers were having some sort of like my my brother's better than your brother competition and they tried to make <laughs> they tried to make Dean look as fluffy as possible. No, he's the arch older brother, you know? He's the I'm a jerk and I love it. He has to have some sharp edges to him. But I'm, like, so glad that you bring up the hair because this whole episode, I was like, oh, my God, Dean, I understand how you gave such, like, gender envy to so many mid knots <laughs> lesbians. Like, I understand it now. I'm watching right now and I'm like, you know what? If I was a teenager, I probably would have been heavily informed by, like, the leather jacket and the spiky hair. Just... Yeah, no, there's something about his look. It's a good look, and it's confused a lot of women for a long time. <laughs> I thought that both Sam and Dean, in this episode, for some reason, they were just killing it, looking out through those big yeah. eyes and the bangs and the spikes. Yeah, They're babies, but they're so professional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like boss baby. <laughs> oh, terrible. <laughs> we have to go to another diner. This one is the Chinese restaurant. And I don't care that it's strangely nautical themed. <laughs> that is fried rice and, and beef broccoli on Dean's plate. Oh my God. I'm so hungry now. Oh God. Oh, it's so I'm sorry, I'll make a moment of silence for my stomach. (laughs) (laughs) Just wipe your mouth, Bean. Yeah, the weird nautical figurine. I was, I was like, this is a choice to put this in a restaurant. (laughs) At a booth table. Like, (laughs) 
Dean keeps pulling the chain, and it is this. What what are they called? The little sea bass, Billy Wally, Billy the Billy the sea bass. Anyway, I'll take that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But instead of uh singing down to the river, uh, this wall hanging fly fisher. I'm doing I was like, a- this is your lighthouse guard. I'm doing a great like, job here. <laughs> I'm like this wretched little man yeah. <laughs> in wooden form, cackles every time you pull the string, and Sam is justified in being like, if you do that one more time, I will kill you. And Dean is justified in doing it one more time. <laughs> Come on, Sam. You need, uh, you need a little bit more laughter in your life. Smile a little. Pulls rope. The fisherman thing starts cackling. <laughs> like that was the worst big brother joke. <laughs> well, and so Sam is, uh, they, they seem to just be buying time, be catching dinner before the, the big night. And Sam is keeping track of the Hellhounds Lair website. And sure enough, uh, Ed and Harry have posted this new information on Mordecai and the true story of his life and death. And he, uh, and this belief that Mordecai would be terrified of guns and a special wrought iron round would uh would kill the spirit is is posted out there on the website so let's just give it a little time and let that idea take hold and then they have what they need to 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 end this idea this belief yes yes so hopefully by nightfall, those wrought iron rounds will work. And it's just a matter of waiting until then. Mm-hmm. And they're both drinking beers and Dean finally decides to take a swig from his bottle. Um, but he can't put it down thanks to Sam's super glue. Sam's face. Sam's fucking face. He's, He's so proud. <laughs> He's so proud. And I... Look. Look, B, I know that you think that this is the worst of of the the prank wars. Your hands are so sensitive, and there's so many nerve endings, and I don't trust them to like try turpentine or some shit. Like I don't know how you melt it off. Besides being like, well, there goes my skin. You, it's fine. It's fine. You can't just say that without giving me the WikiHow article how to prevent. <laughs> losing flesh from super glue the soup it's it's on glass so it'll actually detach pretty easily and then you just have a mess of super glue on your hands which while it feels weird and is uncomfortable it doesn't hurt and you don't have to pick it off unless you you have to pick it off because that's the kind of person you are and if you do it comes off pretty easily. Well, I hope so. I hope so. Because <laughs> my nightmare vision, I might as well be watching Gerald's game. 
Like, oh god. I I I like this little prank from Sam because he ha- it's it's cute and it's harmless. And it's not harmless. It's cute and I think that Dean is just pleased to have drawn his brother in to his shenanigans and 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 you know what Sam just needs to smile more and he needs some laughter in his life and Dean has accomplished what he set out to do and you're being so generous to Dean in this moment. You're being so generous. Because, yes, he is one of those, I want my little brother to be happy. But he currently lost the escalation of the prank war. And are you telling me Dean would not take that personally? I think that he is being very indulgent of his brother's you- Winston scale pranks. Do you? Do you think that he is, like, a good loser when it comes to being pranked? No. Do you think that he takes it well? No. My voice is so high because I'm, like, so stressed by the thought of Dean being, like, a generally good sport about these types of things. I I absolutely think that he is determined to have his final say in things but i think that dean is being a little bit more generous to you know his his reactions to are a little bit more exaggerated in his reactions because he wants sam to feel engaged because his because Sam's pranks are lame, B. That's what I'm saying. Okay, okay. I was like, Remy, again, this is reflecting on you. You're a good sister. <laughs> Sam's pranks are lame. And and Dean is being indulgent by acting put out by Sam's pranks. I'm just like, that's that boy's right hand that's his right palm and knowing how much he thinks with his dick from last episode he's like oh my god you've just turned this into a weapon oh my god b you can't make the same joke that sam makes he doesn't even in like the next scene he's just like i'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole (laughs) (laughs) but honestly i'm like that no no (laughs) i just i find it fascinating that that you think that super glue trumps itching powder absolutely i have super glued parts of my skin and absolutely detested it because it turns your skin from like a malleable latex <laughs> glove 
into all of a sudden something that you bend a knuckle and you split flesh and you're like, oh my god, there is so much liberty in what it takes to make me a human being with functional body parts. And like all you need is a little layer of this weird plastic film to completely fuck your day. Itching powder is just fiberglass, so I... No, 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 not necessarily. Sometimes they use plant extracts. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rose hip. It's got the little fibrous hairs. We'll have to put, we'll have to put a poll on Twitter. Yeah. Would you rather have your hands super glued <laughs> or have your underwear powdered with itching powder? Oh, God. How can you say that out loud and not think there is a clear answer? Correct because answer. Because I imagine my palm cracking and then also having to be like, okay, now I have to use this hand to go do dishes. I can't believe how wrong you are. I can't believe. Honestly, I can't believe you don't see the body <laughs> horror behind the super glue on the hand. <laughs> Look. Let's just get, let's get, let's get back to the, to the hell There's house. There's so much blood, Remy. There's, There's so not. There's not. It's not that you bad. You have had better experiences with super glue than I have. I'll just say that. <laughs> I must have. I don't know. It's, I guess it's a phobia. I guess I got a phobia. <laughs> the things we learn doing this podcast. <laughs> We fell directly into Kripke's trap. I wanted a website where people would go and talk about urban legends. And I'm sitting here thinking I'm such a genius being like, who would voluntarily tune in week after week to talk about urban legends in detail and deconstruct what you're... Oh, no. The little insect man has caught me in a bell jar. <laughs> it's like it's like uh uh men in black where you know you think you think you've domesticated the cat but the cat holds the universe in his in his palm yes. the entire time. I'm like somehow the little gremlin man successfully duped me <laughs> into being <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, I, I, I just find it, I find it hilarious that we each in this episode got weirdly specifically defensive about a certain <laughs> thing <laughs> in itching powder and in super glue. Yeah. What, what I'm hearing is any prank war that we are involved in has some very clearly delineated guidelines about what is and is not acceptable uh-huh uh-huh yeah no we're not going into this blind there's too much trauma in <laughs> back history involved. <laughs> we're not done this episode Rami. oh my god go back to the hell house we gotta go, we have back, to go back to at the night time back to the hell house okay okay tell me more yes okay so the cops are still here and they're like, I heard a weird noise in the woods. And we know that never ends well. But this time, it's a familiar cackle that carried from the last scene into this one. And they wander off and they find that little wall chatterer pinned up against a tree. 
And they're like, hmm, we're going to puzzle over for this <laughs> long enough that uh, Sam and Dean can get back inside the Hill House. And they are, um, you know, making the jokes about the barely have any skin on my palm. And they have their guns ready as they enter into the cellar. They stole it. They stole the creepy cackling man. Which I think was doing the diner a service. Because again, any other people eating in their restaurant that was not at that table now has to experience the chatterer at the whims of one table. I have to believe that this is a small town and one of the two cops that go to investigate the noise say, hey, that's the weird chattering man from from Denny's diner. Yeah. uh, What's it doing out here? What's it doing out here? I could buy that. Absolutely. So, so Sam and Dean are in the hell house and they're ready for it. They have their guns out. The, uh, lore that they have introduced to the story has had time enough to be adopted into the, uh, the, the whole of the tulpa. Mm -hmm. And, they are ready to put it into this. Yes. But as they approach the cellar. They are jump scare surprised <laughs> because it's Ed and Harry there with their cameras out. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Wait, you have a gun? Why do you have a gun? She has a gun. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking of the one scene with Donna and Jody and Jody pulls out a machete and Donna's like, she has a machete! (laughs) Why does she have a machete? Yeah, because as far as Ed and Harry are concerned, this is not how you obtain footage and make your way to Hollywood. You don't show up with a shotgun and nothing else. (laughs) But, yeah. Um, There's metal sharpening noises happening behind the door and then Mordecai bursts through. And Sam and Dean unload both of their guns into the spirit, but Mordecai is absolutely fine. Why didn't that work? That should have worked. Well, yeah, yeah, we put the story up on the site, but then our servers crashed, so so that's not going to work. Oh, okay. Yeah, the story did not take, and so the guns are useless again. Um, Ed and Harry are trying to leave at this point because Mordecai's axe struck through their footage, and that's way too close for comfort. Um, But when they get to a door, they can't get out. They're cornered, and it's up to Sam to bait Mordecai and get his attention back. But that kind of goes downhill quickly because Mordecai gets Sam pinned up against the wall with the axe um, halved against his neck. Yeah. Yeah. Sam can take a throttling better than Ed or Harry can, apparently. So Ed and Harry have a chance to uh, escape, but Sam has to call for Dean to uh to to help him out here because uh, Mordecai does have the better of him. Yeah. 
And Dean was not involved in any of this because he was rummaging through the kitchen trying to find some sort of weapon. And it's at this point that he gets the Jason Mendoza light bulb of illumination. (laughs) And he just starts throwing gasoline around down on the floors. He's throwing all these flammable liquids. He has an aerosol can that he holds a lighter out in front of. And uses it as a improvised flamethrower to get Mordecai off of Sam. And once they're outside, um, it's very clear that Dean's idea is to burn down the house. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this is your plan? You're going to just torch the whole thing? Yeah, because then you have a whole new problem to deal with. (laughs) Look, look, legend says that Mordecai can't leave the house and the legend of a ghost can't haunt a house that doesn't exist. So, hey, this will at least keep the kids out of the area? question mark question mark profit <laughs> that that poor zippo lighter i just i i always feel bad for the 20 dollars zippos that sam and dean just toss into the graves or into the burning houses truly and, like bix like I, bix exists guys i mean it looks cool but so does like you can just use a whole box of matches if you really need to yeah if you really need to look cool i mean there's other ways to produce flame. <laughs> well, so the house is is gone, and if the house is gone, then what's the, then what's there for the idea of a spirit to haunt? All right, yeah. All right, clever enough, but Sam says, what if the legend changes and Mordecai's spirit can leave the house? We'll burn that bridge when we get to it. Well, then we'll just have to come back, won't we? And this is also Sam's opportunity to wax a little philosophically Mm -hmm. about, you know, how many things have we hunted that exist only because people believe in them? And that's, again, that black hole that's <laughs> the darkness filling my eyes and my mouth opening as just the droning sound of bees escape and i'm like <laughs> we can't we can't it's too much absolutely absolutely it's too big for season one episode 17 I mean, literally, Sam and Dean just kind of share a little moment here looking at each other and then we fade to black yeah, they're like, and that was that on that. <laughs> and Chuck furiously writing. Okay, no, I can't make that joke. This is not. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't. This is already the episode. I'm so sorry, listeners. This is already the episode that launched a thousand uh uh tulpa. Let's manifest this is true. Tumblr post. Yes, throw the symbol on a reblog and just go on your way with that. I I I can't I can't make a Chuck wrote joke. At, it's too soon, too soon, V. <laughs> he's holding the final script and he's like, "Well, shit, I got to depower that one." <laughs> yep, got to depower that one. 
Let's scrub it from their memory. Let's have it never come up again. Gotta get rid of this Cunningham guy. <laughs> so it's the final scene and we have Sam and Dean awaiting Ed and Harry's return to their park. Their trailers hitched up to the car again and No Flamingo left Harry- behind. What was that? No Flamingo left behind? Yes. Oh my god. I... I've been so poisoned by Tumblr that when I saw that little flamingo, I was like, oh, flamingo natural. (laughs) I'm going to be keeping an eye out for what other episodes they're contained in. (laughs) I don't think I know that one. No, none are coming to mind. So this is going to be a prime opportunity for the (laughs) rewatch to fill in some gaps in my memory. Um, but we have Ed and Harry. They are bragging about receiving a call from a Hollywood producer who wants to option the movie rights, maybe even have them write it and create the RPG game. I shouldn't say game on the end of that. The role-playing so, game game? The role-playing game game that you bought from the ATM machine. <laughs> Automatic teller machine machine. Ooh, okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And so they're off to L.A. and Sam and Dean are wishing them luck, but Ed says it's not luck, it's sheer talent that gets people there. (laughs) Sheer, unabashed talent. (laughs) It's my God-given talent that gets me here. Time to... (laughs) And a little bit of weed. (laughs) Time to wave Ed and Harry off into the sunset. Yeah. And so Sam and Dean are just chuckling about it because Sam admits to Dean that he was the producer who called and Dean admits that he was the one who put a dead fish in the back of their car. Yes. I'm like that one eggs again. It's, it's, it's coach too far. Well, this is the bit of common ground that the brothers need to call a truce. At least yes. for a little while, because I am yeah. still sure that Dean would never, would never let Sam have the last laugh. No, he will hold that in his memory forever. He's like, I gotta pull one out. <laughs> and we exit with Burning For You by Blue Oyster Cult playing on the radio as they drive away. Nice little bookend. Yes. And again, I really liked it as foreshadowing for the solution that Dean realizes for the case. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. So here we are, Remy. What is your one all-consuming final (laughs) takeaway? It's actually something that we did not talk about pretty much at (gasps) all. Exciting. Well, well, it's Ed and Harry. (laughs) I mean, what's there to say about these Dean Come Poops? In this episode. <laughs> I I thought that it was a fresh... I thought that the whole episode had kind of a almost... It was almost ahead of its time a little bit. It yes. was It was goofy and it had a tone to it. A light-hearted, like, um, been there, done that, supernatural tone to it that we get from i would say seasons 10 and beyond that we didn't see a lot of in in one through five or such 
with with this episode it was almost i don't know just something about the tone of this episode was just very later season supernatural in that we have these two guys sam and dean that are experienced hunters and they're just doing their job and the real world is happening around them and you know i just think that so much of the early seasons of supernatural were was written with sam and dean the weight of the world on their shoulders yes very serious and 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 this episode was definitely not that and it was uh and and i don't know what any of that has to do with ed and harry (laughs) but uh well they they're just comedic characters and their introduction to the story wherever it comes from whatever they're doing they're a little bit silly they allow our characters to play the straight man still you know like they're the ones that are looking at the camera and going can you believe this guy but they bring a level of bumbling ineptitude to a very serious life or death stakes of we need to defeat this monster or people will die. I I really uh, I really like this introduction to these two characters and it of course at this moment it doesn't feel like just an introduction because we don't know that they're going to carry through uh th- through to the end of the series essentially but um Again, there was just something about the tone that uh, these two Ed and Harry characters allowed for in this episode, even from Sam and Dean. And and granted, part of that was written in with the prank war being the main conflict between the two characters. I think that was my takeaway. Just... Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the censor natural getting kind of highlighted, you know, that the show could be a lot of fun. It could be really serious. It can be all of these different things. And it depends on the lens that mm-hmm. we're being offered, what um, version of the characters we get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, it was different. This episode was different in that way. But it was also fami- very familiar in that... Uh, I don't know if you follow what I'm, I don't know if you follow or if you agree with me saying that something about the tone of this episode seemed like something more like we would see in later seasons, like with, um, oh gosh, what's the... Like with an episode with Garth or with an episode with Charlie or an episode mm-hmm. with um, Miss uh, Buttersworth or whatever her name was. <laughs> Mrs. Butters. Mrs. Butters. Yeah. Like, and I do agree with you that I think that that maybe flavor that we're feeling um, is also informed by the fact that this is a bit of a meta episode where mm-hmm. we're looking at, you know, what's the nature of belief and how does it fit in with the power behind these urban legends like 
if nobody believed in werewolves, would they be out there? <laughs> like that whole sort of questioning that goes on. And so you have these very sort of serious subjects or at least philosophical subjects. And then you're like, okay, and like, what if Sam and Dean's natural foil is a couple of bumbling idiots who like to smoke pot? Like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. All of that is just, it's fun little lines to be drawing between the characters. Yeah, definitely. How about you, B? What was your takeaway? I I think I just liked the way Sam and Dean got to be a little bit bitchy. They got to be siblings mm-hmm. and they they had a prank war. Like I'm not a fan of prank wars. And that makes it weird for me to be like, but a prank war episode was kind of good. Like I like how we get to see a low stakes conflict between the brothers. Like They're not arbitrarily butting heads because one character has to have this opinion and the other one needs to have that opinion. They are having a very low stakes but normal level of conflict that you would see between siblings. And it just has um, that fun that you get to see of characters being a little different than what you usually see. We didn't really get to see much of them being brothers. So much of the time the plot takes the focus that it sometimes is nice just to see them being idiots. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely contributes to what I liked about the episode where finally we have an episode where it's not just, Sam and Dean that are being dealt one blow after another. Yes. We're going to tear their father away from them right in front of their eyes. Like, Mm -hmm. Right. And we get a little bit more of the actual like brother dynamics. The teasing and lighthearted aspects of this familial relationship that they share and and this familiarity. And and the history that you know they they yeah it 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 does shine here yeah just allowing them to have petty annoyances and be like I hate you you're stupid (laughs) and have it not mean anything deeper than just petty annoyances and grievances with each other right right. Right. It's a good episode. Good. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I would put as an honorary mention, the whole concept of the Tulpa (laughs) is just, again, I can't look at it because it just ignites something horrifically terrifying. If you consider the implications of something like that existing. And and it's so funny because I think that, one of the i think it becomes a little bit of a meme from supernatural the tulpa even yeah. within the show when they talk about supernatural or sam and dean's history it people will bring up like so is it a are we talking about a tulpa here is this yeah. a tulpa and i i just love that that uh 
it's something that we could never really bring back in any seriousness, but we could absolutely uh uh call attention to its meta meta ness and its meta kind of implications whispered tones of reverence of like could it be that (laughs) i mean it comes up it comes i think charlie brings it up talking about the supernatural series i think that it comes up in the supernatural uh oh i'm not gonna go through it all it doesn't really matter but it 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 comes up in Mm -hmm. in fan fiction even episode 200 yes Yes, that's what I was thinking of, too. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we just don't ever use the concept again because it's too... has too high a potential for shattering the universe as we know it. (laughs) And on that note, that was episode 17, season one. Hell House. Hell House. And next week, we will cover uh, Season 1, Episode 17, Something Wicked. 17? 18. <laughs> I didn't write down 17 twice. and <laughs> That would just be silly, B. I didn't believe it for a second. No. Always went off. <laughs> Something Wicked. We finally, we're finally here, B. Something Wicked. Yeah, holy crowly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> guys, thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you and hope that you have enjoyed this week's episode. Yeah. So, thank you guys and if you want to recommend us to a friend if you want to give us a review subscribe all of those type of things help us reach a larger audience and we love you and we want to have more company with us so the more the merrier yeah yep we'll see you guys next week see you guys thank you bye thank you bye